Welcome to the BFA International Audio Blog. I am your host, Keith Johnson, and I'm here ready, willing, and able to tell it like it is, at least through my own eyes. I can't be contained, controlled, or consoled. I'm as mad as... Okay, (laughs) let me get a hold of myself here. One of the reasons I started this vehicle for communication is because when I'm preaching, teaching, or producing a new program, I don't always get to share some important things that are happening in the world or in my life that I want to share with you fine folks. Since I'm without the keymaker today, who's at an undisclosed location? I've decided to reach out to a special guest to help me address something I have been struggling with for some time. So without further ado, let's get started. I've been really discouraged with what I'm calling the spirit of negativity I have seen increase over the last year or so, especially when there's a conflict of core beliefs between the people of God. I'm getting fed up with those who I call the know-it-sums, who learn something new and now claim to know it all for all people. And worse than that, they degrade, disrespect, and denigrate those who are on their own journey of discovery. Okay, this week, I've been challenged by my Jewish friend, Nehemia Gordon, who lives in China, to do an audio blog on this topic called The Power of Positivity Through the Eyes of David. Now, let me give you some background. Nehemia and I have been walking a journey of ups and downs. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we fight, sometimes we're friends. But in the end, we've always tried to find some sort of biblical common ground to discuss uh, what's happening both in the world, in our lives, and uh, and in ministry. So he uh, he really has um, challenged me. When we were in Israel together, we got a chance to uh, to talk about my concerns. Uh, we saw some things happening over there. We've seen some things happen over the last year or so that have discouraged both of us. Uh, in fact, I argue, and I will bring this up with him, that uh, the spirit of negativity is part of the reason that Nehemia <laughs> is over in China. That's my opinion. I'm going to ask him during our interview uh, whether that's the case. But uh, we we have been uh, we've been we've been dealing with this. And so what I decided to do uh, without the keymaker today, I've got a, a rig here that I've set up. I'm going to try to get a hold of him and uh, have a have a have an interview with him. You know, who knows how long it'll go. He talks much, much longer than I do, but it is great to, to be able to do that with him. So let's get started and see if I can get a hold of him and uh, and uh, see what we can come up with. Well, folks, I cannot believe it. I've gotten a hold of Nehemia Gordon in China. We are 12 hours apart. He's agreed to come on and discuss a very important subject. But listen, uh, we, we've got we've got a rig here. <laughs> so, Nehemia, would you say hello to the folks and uh, just tell them tell them what we're going to do? Nihao, shalom. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on with you, Keith. And, um, so what do you mean by a rig? What do you mean? It's a rig. (laughs) Look, I'm by myself. Normally I've got, I've got the key maker with me and we've got this, this, this high quality setup, but because of the situation today and the urgency and obviously the availability, I'm here kind of working on my own, on my audio blog. I've got you on Skype and I've got a, uh, a rig to be able to record it. And, and again, uh, you know, it's not so much the sound, it's the quality of what we're talking about. And, and of course, you and I have been in conversation the last few days. And I want to jump right into this, Nehemia. You know, in Israel, we were discussing a concern that I had um, regarding what I called a, a, a bit of negativity that I've seen increase over the last bit of, you know, in the last, I don't know, seven, eight months. And you had reminded me of something really, really important. And that was just that... Um, that, uh, you know, sometimes that's exactly what happens. But did you always remind me about the power of dialogue when you don't necessarily agree and how you can do that and what we've done over these years. And I just have to say something before we get started. You know, for you as a, a Jewish as a Jewish friend, we do not have the same uh, belief structure. We do not have the same um, approach to things. But what I've always appreciated is we've tried to find a way to be respectful in our communication, even when we don't agree. And I'm specifically talking about how we approach things and, and whatever, and we found common ground with scripture. But what I have sensed, Amen. what I have sensed uh, in the last year, last year and a half, is an increased level of negativity uh, where there is a disagreement on uh, beliefs, a disagreement. And, and I'm going to give you a perfect example. I can put up on Facebook, I like pancakes. And I guarantee is 50% of the comments are going to be negative about pancakes. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> There's this. Really? No, no, I'm telling you. The negativity that is, that is, it's, it's, it's toxic. So I want to talk about this. I mean, and you know, you've been, you've been cool to, to discuss with me uh, in this last, these last days, but um, 
I want to get into this biblically. And we, we've, we struggled with what it would look like to talk about negatively biblically. And you came up with something, Nehemiah, that I just have to let the people hear. <laughs> I just got to let them hear it. It's before, a classic. Before you bring that, I think it's really interesting that you say about the pancakes. Um, and I don't know if that's a literal example. No, it's dead. It's, it doesn't matter what it is. You mean, you mean you could actually post a photo of, of – like I could post a photo in China of pandas and people will say – you know, something bad about Chinese people. Is that what you're telling half me? Half the people will say they're cute, and half the people will tell you some biblical basis for why you shouldn't have a picture of a panda. No, I'm telling you what will happen. Clean animals. No, it's, you know, <laughs> okay. you know, whatever it is. What this it's, reminds me of is, is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. And it says there, uh, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers up all faults. Wait a minute. I love the Hebrew. Uh, that's the JPS. It says, Sinat Oreo Midanin. Hatred will stir up um, midanim is like you know arguments and strife and it's not just strife it's it's verbal strife it's it's um you know bad mouthing yeah. and it says and love covers all transgressions that's a little tra- literal translation of the Hebrew and I love that it's it's I've seen that so many times in my life where people will do something and and they'll say oh can you believe what so and so did but if their friend did it or somebody they liked did it did something worse they would be like oh well it's okay we understand his perspective. <laughs> You have to look at it, you know, from where he's coming yeah. from. Yeah. And, and look, it's human nature. He, you know, uh, Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, he really was the wisest man who ever lived. I mean, he, he knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what I like about that and this issue of love covering over this, uh, yeah. the, the, the transgression, you know, we, we did it. We do Torah pearls and we we're talking about uh, this this particular week. Uh, and we're in uh, Leviticus. Help me with this. I believe it's uh, 19. Leviticus 19. A funny, funny thing. Can I tell the story? So uh, we were doing a prayer to our father, sure. Hebrew origins of the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> this is, it's, it's, it's embarrassing that I'm going to say this. So uh, we're having a conversation, you and I, and we're going through each word in the prayer. And at one point we were talking about um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I, and I, and I wanted to preach to you. <laughs> and I was preaching. I said, Nehemiah, you know, this is what Yeshua said. He came up with this love the neighbor, your neighbor. And you gave me this blank stare. And you're looking at me and I'm trying and I'm trying I'm telling you, this is what Jesus came up with. And you looked at me and you said, Keith, that's in the book of Leviticus. I'm embarrassed, folks. I'm embarrassed. I didn't know. <laughs> Look, it was about 12 years ago. I was not reading Leviticus. I didn't know that that verse came out of Leviticus. So when we did this in Torah pearls, I was really excited to talk about this verse that that's what he was pulling from. I mean, people might laugh at me, but I'm just going to confess it. I had no clue because my context was New Testament first. And every once in a while, when we get a good story in the Old Testament, we'll bring it. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, that. So, so this week's Torah portion and, you know, I encourage people to go over to, you know, to, to the Torah pearls and, and listen to it's the Torah portion of Kedoshim. Um, and it's Leviticus 19 to 20. And there in Leviticus 19, verse 18, it says, You shall not take revenge, and you shall not bear a grudge against the sons of your people, and you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. I am Yehovah. And I love how it ends. And there's, there's a series of commandments throughout you know, the whole section, and it always ends, I am Yehovah, mm-hmm. or some variation of that. Why should you do this? Not because you like your neighbor. You don't like your neighbor. I don't like my neighbor. But love your neighbor as you love yourself. For I am Yehovah. His dog comes and he gets into your garbage. Why would you like him? No, I don't like but him. But love your neighbor as you love yourself. I am Yehovah. Love him because I am Yehovah and I tell you to. Um, and, and the previous verse is also really powerful. It says, uh, I mean, just the whole passage. People should listen to the Torah. But, but, but here's the thing. Here's what. I, here's what. Here's the interesting challenge in it is that, that what I have sensed. And again, I, yeah. I said this to you a couple days ago, and you um, you you kind of made me pause a little bit. And I, I said, you know, sometimes when it's the family. And you're fighting family to family. Me and my brother are having a fight. You know, we're having an argument about him him taking my pants, wearing my pants. I don't like that. But he's my brother. And, and in the end, we work it out. And what I've noticed in the Jewish community, and please let me know if I'm way out of line here. But what I've noticed in the Jewish community is that they, they will argue with each other and they'll disagree with each other. I don't see them attacking other people. Oh, just for the record, I, I do have your underwear. You really do have my underwear. I've been missing my underwear. Hey, folks, we were in Israel together. I'm going to be honest with you. We were in Israel together. No, I do. I've got your underwear. No, no, no. No, no, no. Let me tell you what happened. There was a legitimate... I pulled this little pair of underwear, and I'm like, what the... The international crisis where you told people that I stole your pants. I didn't steal your pants. However, I got home and realized I'm missing underwear. So, folks, he, he, he just confessed it. But point is, what I've noticed in the Jewish community is that there can be three three opinions... In my defense... But, no, no, in my, in my, 
hit my defense. I said, I think he's. No, no. What you said is I stole. And people were on my Facebook saying, Keith, you're you're a liar and a cheater and stealer. You stole Nehemiah's pants. <laughs> no, no. I said, I think. Or I suspect. I, yeah. I, I, how many I, likes did you get, Nehemiah? How many likes did you get on that post? <laughs> a couple, how, couple hundred. Yeah. How many but, people? Uh, by the way, there's definitely a lag here. So. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. It's fine. Yeah, you're doing good. Uh, so let me just say this. Um, what I appreciate about the Jewish community. So what you've noticed in the Jewish community is. Is there can be two Jews and three opinions. There can be four Jews and seven opinions. And they'll argue amongst each other. But here's what I don't see. And if it please help me with this. I don't see Amen. Jewish people attacking other religions in their beliefs. I just don't. It's almost like they don't have time for that. It's like they're, they're trying to they're trying to survive, and they can argue about Rabbi. He says this, and the verse says this, and this is my opinion. What I notice on um, uh, in the in this 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 uh, particular strain that I'm in right now is that there's like this attack on everything else, including each other. So the negativity the negativity is what I'm I, I kind of want to address. Well, not just including each other. I think it's especially each other. Okay. So, so where does that come from? What's the difference? Why is it that in the Jewish... have a major lag here. Yeah, no, it's... it's it, 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 we're okay. It, folks, this is his deal. But no, what is it? So tell me, what is it? What is it in the Jewish community that, uh, that, that doesn't necessarily look at the focus of everyone else, but rather more, right. more, more at... The, uh, look, so, so it's... Right. Yeah, go ahead. So, so it's not that there aren't, you know, arguments within the Jewish community. Obviously, there are huge arguments within the Jewish community and debates and discussions. And look, if you go to any synagogue in the world, let's be honest, and you're involved in the internal politics, it's probably not different than being involved in the internal politics of most churches. And I don't know, but I would assume most mosques and most you know, Hindu temples or whatever. I mean, look, because people are people. But what you're talking about is this public attack of, of um, you know, of people, um, you know, because of what they believe. And, and I think in the Jewish world, it's more if there's attacks, it's more about what people do rather than what they believe, because um, Judaism really historically focuses on, you know, um, taking action. You know, so you say you believe in one God. OK, what do you do about that? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in Yehovah. How do you live your life that reflects that? That's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask this, Nehemiah. Uh, we were talking about, as we always like to talk about, trying to find a biblical uh, basis for what it is that we're discussing. And so you and I have been discussing sort of this issue of negativity and how to address it from a biblical standpoint. And of course, we can use Leviticus, loving your neighbors. But 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 what I liked is the idea of finding an example where negativity and its response. So so let's talk a little bit about what we came up with. Would you Would, would you be willing to do that? Okay, so I asked you. I, so I asked you a question. I said, Nehemiah, uh, you know, we, we've come up with so many different stories where we could kind of dive in. Let's talk a little bit about our friend Shimmy. <laughs> now, how do you say that in in, um, in Christian English talk? Like, how do you pronounce that name? Is it uh, called Shimmy? Uh, I think. Well, it's interesting if you look in uh, if you look like in the NASB. I think it would say Shimmy. I. Shimmy. I. Yeah. Okay. So that's spelled in English S H I M E I. In Hebrew, it's Shimei, uh, Shin Mem I and Yud. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting what his name means. Mm-hmm. His name Shimei. You could translate as "Listen to me." No, 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 no. This is classic. So, so Shimei is this character. <laughs> I love Shimei. Shimei is this character who is appears in two. Samuel chapter 16 verse 5 and then he appears twice more if I'm not mistaken in two other stories um, so so he uh, David is being run out of Jerusalem by his son Absalom who has um, started a rebellion because he wants to be king and David is fleeing and there's this beautiful scene he's walking up the Mount of Olives you know, you've been to Jerusalem so you have you know Jerusalem is out on this hill and you know and, and so you go down into the Kidron Valley and then now he's walking up the Mount of Olives on his way into the desert to run away mm-hmm. from King from Absalom, who was, who was you know, usurped against King David, and we're told that Shimei comes out, and it says he came out cursing continually as he came, and he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right and on his left. Also, Shimei said thus when he cursed. So you know, 
you know, where he's cursing David. How is he cursing? Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. And mm-hmm. I love in the Hebrew, you rogue is Isha Belial, mm-hmm. the man without the yoke. Yes. Um, which is, you know, Belial in English. You've talked about that in some of your, your, your material. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it says, um, Yehovah has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul. This is Shimei saying to David. Mm-hmm. So David's been the king for a number of years, and he's got this son who, who's uh, rebelled against him. And Shimei, whose name means listen to me, has been holding this in for decades, ever because he's a supporter of the house of Saul. And David essentially replaced the house of Saul. And so he's been burning for years wanting to be able to you know, vent against David. And now is his chance because David's, you know, Mm-hmm. running away mm-hmm. um, Yehovah has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned and Yehovah has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom your son so now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man mm-hmm. then Abishai the son of Tzriah said to the king why should this dead dog curse my lord the king please let me go over and take off his head mm-hmm. so that's the you know the gut reaction You know this guy he's, he's, he's attacking us we better attack back mm-hmm. verse 10 but the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Tzriah? So let him curse, because Jehovah has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? In other words, we don't know why Shimei's doing what he's doing. Maybe Jehovah would tell him for this purpose, Curse David. Maybe not. But maybe he's doing this because Jehovah told him to. All I know is David is, you know, we don't need to deal with that. Um, and definitely not now. He goes on in verse 11. And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life? How much more now may this Benjaminite? Let him alone and let him curse, for so Jehovah has ordered him. It may be that Jehovah will look on my affliction, and that Jehovah will repay me with good for his cursing this day. I've got to stop here. That's verse 12. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. He says, Look on my affliction. And this I'm reading here from the New King James Version. And, and what they did is really cute. Um, I don't want to get too technical, but what it actually says in Hebrew is literally, "May uh, perhaps Yehovah will see through my eyes." Amen. I love that. <laughs> Amen. May perhaps Yehovah will see through my eye or through my eyes, and um, what does that mean? So I, I I read this and I'm like, what is that? So I looked in the in the Jewish commentators to see what they said, and and it, and it makes a lot of sense in the context. Basically, he's saying, um, you know, look. I'm not going to attack Shimmy. He's doing what he's doing. And maybe Yehovah, maybe even Yehovah told him to do that. But hopefully Yehovah will see it from my perspective. Yep. You know, That's exactly what I saw. I didn't do anything against him and he's, and he's attacking me. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll see it through my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course Yehovah can definitely see through your eyes. But the point is, you know, I, what I need to do is act with integrity. Mm-hmm. And then Yehovah hopefully will see it from my perspective. And, um, and then he says... And that Yehovah will repay me with good for his cursing this day. So I'm suffering in silence. And I'm going to focus on the mission Yehovah has given me, David is saying. Mm-hmm. And maybe this guy has his mission. But all I know is I need to focus on my mission, mm-hmm. my calling. And whatever this guy is doing, I'm not going to attack him. I'm not going to hurt him, even mm-hmm. though he deserves it. Um, I, you know, I'm just going to focus on, on what I need to focus on and hope that Yehovah looks upon the things as I'm experiencing them through my eyes as I'm suffering uh, in this situation and and he makes it good. Now let me tell you what I like about he this. He me with good for his curse. That's powerful. Wow. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and Nehemiah, what I like about um, being able to look, this idea of him saying, may Yehovah look through my eyes. It's, it, it's this really thing what I like to call yeah, is the, the, power, the, the power of perspective is that sometimes, you know, it's easy sometimes for us to, to lose perspective on other people's journey. It's easy for us to lose perspective why other people believe what they believe or do what they do. And, and that's and that's again what I think Shimmy and I love I love his name. <laughs> listen to me. What, what, what listen to me is saying listen, <laughs> So what listen to me is saying he's saying, I curse you, I spit at you, I throw sticks and stones will break your bones and words. No, he's doing everything. He's bringing the words, the sticks, the stones. Look, he's even adding dust. But the thing is, he's saying, listen to me, listen to me, listen oh, to me. Can we read that next no, Wait, hold on. Just a second. Now, he says, we he's saying, read verse 13. we're going to. But he's saying, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And can you imagine the picture? Can, can we just talk about the picture for a second? The picture is David is walking out from from his place of uh, where he was king. And he's going somewhere. He's walking out. And he doesn't stop his journey to be able to address this spitting, cussing, yelling 
sticks and stone throwing. Listen to me, guy. Instead, he says, let's continue to go and may Yehovah see through my eyes, my perspective. But that's not going to stop me from moving on. So, no, we can go to verse 13. But I I just I think it's so powerful that uh, this is the story that we're kind of addressing. Now, we could talk more about this. Hopefully you'll give a little testimony. But but what I love about it is that there's legitimate that, that, you know, if we look at from his perspective, Shimmy's perspective, he's upset. He's angry. And, and he's got good reason to be angry. And he's been holding it in for decades. Holding it in for and, de- and, Yeah, that's right. And the, and the interesting thing is, so so he accuses, he calls David a man of blood. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the, so who did David kill? So, of course, David killed, you know, the whole, the whole thing with Uri, Uriah or Uriah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he doesn't mention that. He's talking about the house of Saul. Exactly. And so the, the explanation from the commentators is that he blames David for the death of um, of Ishbosheth, who was the son or, or Ishbal, who was mm-hmm. the son of um, of Saul. And if you remember the story, it's actually the opening chapter of Two Samuel mm-hmm. when Saul, when David finds out that this guy cut off uh, uh, you know the, the head of of, of Ishbosheth, he's angry and he actually executes the people who were involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he finds out somebody killed Saul or possibly killed Saul, he executes that guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's saying, look, the, you know, you can't kill a king of Israel. Mm-hmm. He's an anointed of Yehovah. He might be my rival. He might be my enemy. Mm-hmm. But he isn't a Mashiach Yehovah, Saul's called, an anointed mm-hmm. of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. You can't go kill him even just because you don't like him or what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And, and so David does not accept that. But Shimmy doesn't see it that way. Shimmy blames him. Yeah. And he also blames him for the general of Saul, that uh, who was also a relative of Saul, who... Um, who you know? Who one of uh, David's you know Amasa, if I'm not mistaken, was his mm-hmm, name, mm-hmm. And, and then Avner. Those are the two generals mm-hmm. that were killed by the sons of Tzuriah by Joab. So he's got this. You know, he's got all these issues that you know two of two of you know these two people were killed. These two generals and these two people, Saul and his, and his son, were also killed. David's responsible for all this. All that blood is on him. And now God is repaying you, David, for what you did. Yeah. Now, what Shimmy doesn't know is he didn't. Shimmy didn't read the Book of Samuel. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know that David wasn't responsible. He doesn't. He doesn't know. But he assumes that David is responsible. Yeah. And you know what happens when you assume? Yeah. Well, funny, Nehemiah. And again, if, there's so many parallels with this. But think about this. So here he is, and he's like, and he's like you said, he's got, he's angry. He's legitimately angry. And what? And what usually yeah. comes from anger? What's the manifestation of that anger, hatred, anger, etc.? And then, strife. yeah, I mean, strife. It's strife and strife. And so here's here's again what my what my concern is, and why I appreciated us discussing this is is just the spirit of Shimmy. <laughs> you know, spirit of Shimmy. No, no, people the have these. Spirit di- of Shimmy I want. I want to trademark the spirit of Shimmy. I want to call it. I want to hear. That's fine. No, I, I, look, the spirit of shimmy. Okay, alive and kicking. <laughs> no, we'll come up with something. But the thing is, is no, that look, okay. now, let's, now let's read verse thirteen. Okay. And David and his men went along the road. Shimmy went along the hillside opposite him, and cursed as he went, threw stones at him, and kicked up dust. <laughs> <laughs> Can well, you just imagine he's throwing stones? He's, he's foaming at the mouth and he's kicking the dust. Yeah. And David's on the opposite, you know, opposite uh, a ridge. Walking on on the you know down the road, and I've been to these places. No, like if, if you've been to the Judean desert, as as you go out of Jerusalem towards the Mount of Olives, uh, down out into the desert, you know the the um, the way the roads are located, it's you know along the ridge of a hill, and you could just see him walking along the other hill that's right opposite, not that far. I mean, I, I can I can envision this. Like I've been to places like you know, absolutely this is the sort of place um, just outside Jerusalem. And he's kicking up the dust and he's fuming. And, and then the next verse, I think, really ties it in. Uh, verse 14. Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary. So they refreshed, refreshed themselves there. Mm-hmm. And I love it in the Hebrew. It says, um, and the king arrived and all the people who were with him, Iaphim, mm-hmm. tired. They were tired. So they were tired. They're, you know, they're fleeing the city from Absalom. Mm-hmm. And they going out into the desert into some you know, little little oasis somewhere some village mm-hmm. and they're just exhausted they don't have the energy to deal with 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 shimmy yeah. um you know they've got to focus on the mission that Yehovah has given them yeah. and this mission that's being attacked by the enemy that's in danger mm-hmm. and instead of you know dealing with the shimmies who really don't make a difference they're just kicking up dust and saying words mm-hmm. um you know they said no look we've got to focus because we're tired, we've got to focus on the work Yehovah has given us. And, and let me, can I, if, if it would be, if you, if you would allow it, we, we, I don't want to take too much of your time. 
because I know it's late there. But you know, isn't it interesting, Nehemiah, that uh, when I think of your name, Nehemiah, and the story of the, uh, the book of Nehemiah, it was a similar thing. Uh, they said, hey, come on down here to the plain of Ono. Let's let's talk about this. He said, why should I come down to you when I've had such a great work? Then we could go to Jeremiah. What did we, we talked about this also in Jeremiah. There are times when we need to uh, uh, confront different issues as Jeremiah had had to, but then there's also a way to respond and how to respond. And I think what I like about what I've been challenged to do, and I know that this has been your issue also, is to be biblical in our response. What's the biblical response? And, you know, for those that are out there that say they love Torah and they love Tanakh, you know, what is the what is the Tanakh response? What is the Torah response? And what I've found is that sometimes in, 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 in the in the in the attempt to to uh, pull someone else down, there's a whole lot of shimmy going on. And, and, and what was what was shimmy's purpose? He basically was cursing and cussing and throwing throwing stones. But really, what ends up being his purpose? And what was what's the end of what's the end of the matter? He got dirty. You know, he's cussing, he's yelling, he's spitting. But, yeah, I mean, so what I think is really interesting is, is, is Shimmy's not part of the rebellion. So you've got the rebellion of right. Absalom. Um, and, and Shimmy, at least in some kind of innocent way, he really, he like I said, he hasn't read the book of Samuel. What he knows, what he believes he knows, is David has done these horrible things. He killed, you know, t- two kings, two messiahs of Israel two kings of Israel, and he killed two generals, two officers in the army of Yehovah, and he's a bad guy, and now Yehovah is finally punishing him. That's what Shimei's thinking. And David realizes this, that Shimei is coming from a place of, you know, he's ignorant. Yeah. And David needs to focus on what he's doing. Amen. Um, and I think that's just so powerful how, how David responds there. And can we just really quick look at the story in Jeremiah? Before we do um, that, before we do to that. Me, this is a, to me, it's a similar yeah. Before we do that, Nehemiah, now, I, I will tell you, I had an agenda. And the, the part of the agenda is, you know, I've, I've, I don't want to make fun about it. There's always an agenda. No, there's always an agenda. So I've always asked this question, you know, okay, so you're over in China, and uh, it's awesome. You're over there. and, and But, but it, tell me what your feeling is a little bit. Can I just, just for a second. So what's your feeling when you see so much negativity and when you see so much that's going on? How does that affect you in terms of the work that you were doing here and 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 in terms of how you feel about uh, continuing your ministry, what can we just stop for a second? Can you can you just give me your perspective? Sure. What it feels so, like. So part, so I'm, so I'm, I'll be honest. There's there's there, there's an internal conflict. The first reaction when I see all the negativity is, thank God I'm in China and I don't need to deal with this. Okay. Um, you know these, these are people across the sea in other countries who are just you know they're, they're kicking up dust and they're cursing and and and. And they're and they're not really you know they're like, at least at least Absalom was trying to create a kingdom he was a rebel but at least he was trying to create a kingdom Shimmy <laughs> just wants to destroy he's got nothing productive to accomplish he just wants to destroy people <laughs> and so part of me was just is, you know thankful like oh my god I'm in China I don't need to deal with these people he just wants to destroy you know say what you will about Absalom but at least he you know he goes to Jerusalem and he tries to take over and he says okay we you know he's trying to build something Shimmy is just a destroyer. He's just bitter and angry, and he's trying to destroy. Um, so part of me feels like, okay, at least I'm in China. I don't need to deal with this. But the part of me feels, you know, if I stay here in China and, and I deal with my, you know, uh, confiscating cell phones being used in class and, you know, and, and uh, you know, whatever, you know, all, <laughs> uh, this type of thing, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm abandoning my, my ministry. It feels like okay. I've got to rest. I've got to get to Bacharim. That's the place that David was on his way to. And but once I've got that rest, I need to do what David did: is regroup. And, and um, he, yeah. he got out of the city and he and he, he regrouped. And then came the counterattack. Well, let me just say this: we look forward to uh, whatever that looks like for you. I just wanted to ask that question because I'm sure it's got to be somewhat difficult for you to see the negativity. And then, like you say, the other part is you're in China. You don't have to deal with it. And I'm calling you from the United States. <laughs> I'm saying, Nehemiah, <laughs> we talked about this a year ago, and I'm not calling you a prophet, neither the son of the prophet. But one of the things that you did tell me is that, that you also saw that increase, and it seems like it's getting to a feverish pitch. And uh, and again, what I like about coming up with the story, uh, looking at the story, is 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 seeing sort of a picture uh, and again, the name. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> I mean, I just think I think by by looking at this, it kind of gives us a, a, a bit of a challenge. But uh, I, I you know we've been able we've been able to get through the story of Shimmy. Do you is there anything else you want to say about that? Oh, so you know, I, 
mentioned this to you, um, uh, you know, before we discussed it just before the program, yeah. but, but the story of Shimmy was actually pivotal for me in my spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and just to back up, you say that, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the, the negativity is coming to a fever, fever, feverish pitch. I don't know if the negativity is greater now more than it ever was. Um, think about the story of Shimmy. The negativity was always there. He mm-hmm. just didn't express it. Mm-hmm. So maybe now we're being exposed to more of this expression of negativity. But I think the negativity has been there, you know, since the, since the snake in the garden feet. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's just there. There's there is this negativity. And, and what I've you know at this point in my life, and, and look, I'll be honest, I was different, you know, in different stages of my life. But at this point in my life, you know, I've got this friend here, Leo, um, and he. he, he very wise man here in China. Leo, you've met Leo. Um, And Leo says, you know, look, we should try to focus on positive energy. And this isn't some kind of new age nonsense. I'm talking about Leo, you know, is somebody who who follows Torah. He's a Torah keeper. And and his point is, look, when we're keeping the Torah, we should be focusing on the positive. And I I really, I really, he's, Mm -hmm. he exudes, he oozes uh, positive energy, positivity. He really does. Like, you, you, you know, it's really, it, it, it's it's a powerful thing, and people who who are like Shimmy, um, even when they're not talking, they tend to ooze negativity. And so I really want to focus on the positive and try to be as positive as possible. But the story of Shimmy is really pivotal was pivotal for me in my spiritual walk. Um, are you there, Keith? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. So the story of Shimmy was pivotal for me in my spiritual walk when I was a much much younger man. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, decades ago. Um, I was in uh, elementary school, grammar school in America, and it was a Jewish school, and we studied Tanakh. And one of the things we studied was the story. We read the book of Samuel in, our, in my Jewish school. And uh, one of the things they taught me is, um, is that Shimmy was actually the rabbi, the rebbe of, of King David, that David had studied Talmud from Shimmy. This is what they taught me. And, and, and the, the way we read it is we'd read, we'd read a verse and then we'd get the explanation and we'd read a verse and get another explanation. And so we never actually read like an entire chapter just by itself and heard what it had to say. The way I, I will you know, study Tanakh today, um, study the word of God today and, and let the word speak for itself. It was always, oh, here's what this means. You know, maybe Yehovah, of course, they didn't say Yehovah, they said the Lord. Maybe the Lord has spoken to Shimmy. Who's this guy? He's a sinner. Well, God's speaking to him. So the explanation we were told is he was the head of the Sanhedrin. There was a council of 71 rabbis, <laughs> and Shimi was the head of that Sanhedrin. And as the head of the Sanhedrin, he had taught David Torah. And if somebody teaches you even one word of Torah, and I like that idea, it's a cute idea. If somebody teaches you even one word of Torah, he's your Rebbe. He's your teacher. And you can never harm your teacher. That's the worst thing you could ever do. Um, so David was forbidden from harming Shimi. This, is, this was the explanation. It was almost, I hate to use the word, but in a sense, it was a legalistic explanation of, of what Shimmy was doing. In other words, it wasn't this human emotion coming out of a place of anger um, that you know Shimmy was responding. It was that Shimmy had seen in David a reason for him to be subject to the death penalty. And so Shimmy was expressing that as the head of the Sanhedrin. And I, I mean, it's utter nonsense. But that, that's how I, it was presented to me. And, and you know, a, a certain period of time later, Still, while I was very, very young, I decided I'm going to read the book of Samuel and other books that's not for myself without the commentary and see what it says. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked. And it's crazy to say this, but I was actually shocked. I'm reading the book of Samuel, and there's no Sanhedrin, there's no rabbis, there's no studying Talmud anywhere in the entire book. Oh, and I'm thinking, how is this possible? It was there when I read it with my teacher, with my rabbi in, in, in fourth grade. How is it not now that I'm reading it and it's not there? And I realized it wasn't there because the rabbi put it in the text. It wasn't in the text. He added it to the text. Hmm. And when the text speaks for itself, Shimmy is Shimmy. He's kicking up dust and saying, <laughs> hear me. Listen to what I have to say. He's not the head of the Sanhedrin. So, you know, maybe there's a certain innocence there. You know, but, but, he, but to make him David's rabbi, that's why he can't arm him. Come on. That's not what it's about. Nehemiah, can I ask a question? I'd like to ask a question now. Is it possible that we just found the thread that you pulled that ended up causing you to uh, uh, question some of the uh, tradition versus uh, Tanakh truth? Look, was it, was Shimmy was was the Shimmy story was the Shimmy story a thread? <laughs> it was a thread. It's like that sweater has got the loose thread. Yeah, and you know you pull it out, and afterwards you're like, how did this happen? Mm. But Shimmy was one of the loose threads. It wasn't the only one, but he was one. It's one of the ones that stands out in my memory. Mm. Um, that and, and, the, and I think I've shared about the wagons of uh, 
of um, you know that were sent to Jacob and the story of Joseph. Those were the two. Actually, those were the two big threads that I pulled out: okay. the shimmy and the wagons. And I'm like, wait a minute, this has got nothing to do with Talmud or Gemara or, or yeah. This is, this is, well, can this I, is not the context. It's, can can it's, I do uh, this? Can I do yeah. this? So normally, what happens is, I mean, and look, I have a special guest, and when I have a special guest, time is never the issue. But uh, I have I have a special guest all the way from China, so I want to ask you a question it, regarding the spirit of negativity. Is there anything else in the Tanakh that would uh, that would you think would be a good challenge for us to look at? And we discussed a few different stories. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up? Because again, I got you twelve hours ahead. It's probably midnight there. I don't know. But okay. is there anything else you'd like to say? I mean, I, I would like to give you that opportunity and because well, let, me, let me be honest with you. Hold on. No, let me be honest with everybody, and I, I want to be honest with the listeners. And I'm going to put this out publicly. Sometimes I wonder, Nehemiah, with you, it feels a little bit like, um, you know, Jonah. It, when Jonah, when jo- you know, you're in China. Okay, can I just ask you an honest question? And when we talk about the issue of neg- negativity, but um, do you ever feel like uh, you've had to kind of, to, to, I mean, like, think of the story. What, what was the story of Jonah? He had to go to this place and and they were they were neighbors in a sense. And he really didn't want God to love them. He wanted God to judge them. Am I right? Well, I think he wanted to be right. <laughs> that was really the attitude was, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. If I go to them, they'll repent. Exactly. And then I'll be a false prophet. And I'll be the prophecy a... <laughs> was, 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. Yeah. The implication of the prophecy is, well, that's only if, if, you're, if you don't repent. Mm-hmm. And But that wasn't the words that Yehovah gave him to speak. So, so he's like, oh, crap. I can't add my own words. i got to speak Yehovah's words. But if I go there, then they'll think they, they won't respect me. They'll think I was a lie. Exactly. Because they're going to repent. And so he decides to run away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask this question. Is there any part of you, and I, I say this in, 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 in jest in one sense, but is there any part of you that, that, that feels like uh, there is something, there is a message for, for people uh, that you have, and, uh, but it's, it's, hard. It's, it's, it's a hard. It's a hard job. It's a struggle, and so you know, you get on an airplane or you get on a boat, and you uh, and you go somewhere else. Because I had a dream last night, Nehemi. I got to tell you what it was. This and look, this is not pre-produced. I'm just telling you, I had a dream last night, and in the dream, you and I were in New York together. And as Wait, we were, was, there, was there a scroll over your head? No, no. But, but ready? No, you can make jokes all you want. Guess what? Okay. In this dream, in this dream, you and I are in New York. And you have a Torah scroll, and you are you are hugging it, and you began to weep. In the dream, we're, we're there, and there's a Torah scroll, and it's not my scroll; it's your own scroll. And you and you hug it, and you began to weep. I got a scroll. I like this. Yeah, in the dream. But here's what I love about here's what I've always loved about our relationship. Our relationship was based on me asking you to help me to be able to understand the very words that I, from my tradition, I didn't. I had made a disconnect between. New Testament and Old Testament. I made a disconnect regarding what the the importance of the scroll. But in this dream last night, you 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 embraced it, you hugged it, and you wept. And 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 the reason I'm bringing this up, look, I, I mean, we might have to edit this out. You might say you don't want the world to hear this, but but isn't isn't that been what your life has been about? Is embracing the words uh, of God and then helping others to understand them. And, and, and is, 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 that's, a, that's a hard call. That's a difficult call. And, and, and in that, there's frustration and there's struggle. But I'm just asking you to consider, what does it look like again for you to, 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 to hug onto that Torah and then to do what you've always done in, in, over time, and that is to be able to help other people understand those words for themselves so they can embrace the Torah, they can live it out, and they can apply it in their life. So, so can I tell you the analogy for me? Yeah. Um, and I'm just coming up with this on the spot, so maybe it's- Maybe it's a bad analogy, <laughs> but the, but the analogy that comes to me to mind for me is is um, you know I mean so you've got a Torah scroll right yeah um, so one of the things they have one of the things they do with the Torah scrolls it's covered with this velvet yes. cloth this velvet cover yes and I feel like in my in my tradition I was taught to have this this adoration for the velvet cover mm. and you know they, they would point to the velvet cover and they'd say this is the Torah isn't it beautiful isn't it soft doesn't it feel nice it's mm. red and vibrant and beautiful mm. and then one day I was able to pull off the cover and open it up and read it Amen. and it touched my heart to the, the deep the deepest place of my soul Amen. and what I want is for everyone else to pull off that cover mm. and it's a beautiful cover that kept the Torah protected but it's time to pull off that cover hallelujah Amen. Amen. And Nehemiah, like I said, in this dream, we were in New York, I, and I, I knew we were going to talk. 
Yeah, I knew we were going to talk, uh, but uh, you know, obviously, when I had the dream, it 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 was uh, it was it was interesting for me because I, I like I've always known you to love the the Word of God and to and to embrace it in that way. So I pray that that would happen. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I, I want to give you time. You you know, is there anything else you'd like to say to the folks about the spirit of negativity or what we can do on the positive side of that? Um, well, so so the, I think the I think the flip side of the story of Shimmy is. Um, or the spirit of Shimmy is really, in a sense, the spirit of David, who says, look, I've got to focus on my mission to Jehovah. Mm. But then there's this story I love in Jeremiah 28, and yes. maybe we could just do it real quick. Yes. So um, there's this guy, uh, Hananiah, or Hananiah, mm-hmm. the son of Azur, and he's a false prophet. Yes. Of course, he doesn't say, hey, I'm a false prophet. He says, I'm a prophet of Jehovah. I mean. Um, and, uh, and he's actually, you know, at the high place in, in Gibeon, which at one time was where the ark was kept, but mm-hmm. it continued to function, apparently, after, after the temple uh, was built, mm-hmm. this high place in Gibeon, which, you know, was essentially an illicit temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's the, temp- he's the prophet of that temple. And um, anyway, so, uh, all right, let's, well, yeah, let's see. Jeremiah 28. All right, let's read this. Jeremiah chapter 28 says, And it happened in the same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of Jehovah in the presence of the priests of all the people, saying, Thus speaks Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now remember, this is in a period, this is the, the, the reign of Zedekiah, when Israel is, is essentially, or Judah essentially, has become a vassal state under the control of the king of Babylon. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not really even independent anymore. They're autonomous, but under the, you know, the, the control of the king of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, and, and then some people have already been taken exile in the time of uh, King uh, uh, uh Jeconiah. This is in, you know, 597 BC. The first exile takes place. Remember, the second one is 11 years later in 586. Yep. So this is in between those two events. It says, within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of Jehovah's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says Jehovah. So he's not, this is not my opinion, Hananiah is saying, Hananiah, the son of Azor, he's saying, thus says Jehovah, and I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Mm. So we've got this positive prophecy come along, and Jeremiah is knows it's a lie because he actually <laughs> he, he describes for us Jeremiah he says I've stood in the in the council of Yehovah I mean meaning this image we've seen a number of places where Yehovah is speaking to the angels and the prophet can stand there and hear them speak mm. so Jeremiah has stood in the council of Yehovah and these false prophets haven't they're just speaking out of their own heart making stuff up mm-hmm. speaking from a spirit that, that's you know speaking through them uh, but Jeremiah has actually heard Yehovah say these things not some spirit Mm-hmm. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of Jehovah. And the prophet Jeremiah said, uh, i got to read this from the Hebrew. I'm, I'm, I'm being lazy reading it from the yes, New King yes, James yes, yes. Let me read this one part from the Hebrew. And Jeremiah the prophet said, Amen. <laughs> I love that. This is in the Hebrew, Amen. So, mm-hmm. so Hananiah has just said this prophecy that you know uh, the exile is going to be brought back and everything is going to be fine. And Jehovah will restore everything. And Jeremiah says, Amen. Uh, may Jehovah do, uh, may, may do thus. May Jehovah fulfill your or, or establish your prophecy. May you fulfill your prophecy, which you have prophesied to return the vessels of the house of Jehovah and all the exiles from Babylon to this place. In other words, what Jeremiah is saying is, Amen. I wish what you were saying were true. Mm-hmm. May it be so, but it, but it's not going to be so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Twenty-eight seven. I wish this positive. I wish this positive prophecy were true, but it's not. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and the hearing of all the people. The, and then here, verses 8 to 9 are, are really, you know, it's so easy in the English to burn through them and, and not even know what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. But they're really key verses, I think, think of the entire Tanakh, because they lay down a principle for prophecy, mm-hmm. which I think is very apropos even today. Mm-hmm. Um, the prophets who have been before me and before you have all prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. Mm-hmm. So what's he saying? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What is that in plain English? What he's saying is, look, when a prophet says something negative, maybe the people will repent. So you can't know if it's, a tr- if it's not fulfilled. You really don't know if that prophet was speaking the truth or not. Right. But if somebody has a prophecy of peace and it doesn't come to pass, he 
he's a false prophet. That's right. And that goes back to Deuteronomy 18. He's essentially explaining in Deuteronomy 18 this issue of, you know, how you say in your heart, how will I know if this prophecy is true if it comes to pass? Well, that really, in some respect, only applies to positive prophecies. A negative prophecy may be, as in the case of Jonah, the people repented. And that's why it wasn't fulfilled. So you don't know. And what I love about this, what Jeremiah is really saying, is the people themselves, they don't know whether I'm telling the truth or you're telling the truth. We're both speaking in the name of Jehovah. We're both claiming to speak the words of Jehovah. Only one of us is telling the truth. And how will the people know? Two years from now, they'll see that your prophecy wasn't fulfilled and mine was. Mm. And, and so they'll know. But until then, you know what? And I love this. I got to read this. Um, And I'll try to make this real brief. Then Hananiah, this is verse Jeremiah 28, then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. So so Jeremiah's got this, like, he's got a teaching device. (laughs) He's got this yoke on his neck, a wooden yoke. Like the kind of uh, a cow wear, you know, an ox. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people. I'll skip ahead, okay? Yes. I got to read this, sorry. Uh, and Hananiah spoken so he's basically hijacked Jeremiah's prophecy, taken this yoke off Jeremiah's neck, and he breaks it in half. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, "Thus says Yehovah: Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within the space of two full years." Now, I love the next words how this verse ends. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Mm-hmm. Which is just so powerful. <laughs> this guy has. In- Interfered in a prophecy of Jehovah. Jeremiah knows he's speaking the word of Jehovah that he heard with his own ears, standing in the council of Jehovah. Jehovah was speaking to the to the angels, and Jeremiah overheard their words, and now is reporting that back to the people. And the yoke he took was something Jehovah told him to take. This wooden yoke to show the people you're going to be subjugated, just like the ox is subjugated to man. You will be subjugated to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And Hananiah takes the yoke off his neck, hijacks his message. And Jeremiah just says, okay, I, I said what I needed to say. Now I'm gone. I'm leaving. But that ain't the end of the I'm not story. Stand arguing but that ain't the end of the story. Because, Nehemiah, do, do, do you not love, do you not love, do you not love what happens in the story? Because after he says he went his own way, he's, he's, he's gone off. He's, he's left. Maybe, maybe he got on a, a boat. Maybe. <laughs> and then, and then verse 13. Maybe he got on a plane to China. And then 2813 says, what? Go. And speak yeah. to Hananiah. <laughs> he sends him back into the so fight. Isn't this powerful? <laughs> no, I love Jeremiah, it. Jeremiah's attitude is, look, I'm supposed to think about this. Jeremiah said what Jehovah told him to say, and he didn't need to stand there arguing with Hananiah. He left. And then Jehovah came to him a second time and says, look, I've got more for you to say. So I think that's just so, that's just such a powerful Absolutely picture there. Absolutely. We is. need to say what Jehovah has for us to say. Um, but we don't need to, you know, be negative and fight with people. If Yehovah has something negative for us to say, wonderful, say it. Say it. If that's what Yehovah needs you to say. And, and that's why but I wanted you to. You I wanted you. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, guys. We're we're going back and forth on this, but I mean, it, it, this is kind of exciting because I think we've kind of backed our way into some stuff that's personal testimony here. Uh, you know, Nehemiah, okay. as I mentioned, um, you know, and I can I can say this in in, in a in a way of of of, of a great appreciation. Is that uh, when I wanted to learn to read my Torah, I could only find one person that was willing to teach me, and that was you. And uh, since that time, we've been through a lot. We've been through ups and downs. We've been through ins and outs, and everything you can imagine. We've been just about around the world. But but I think that that in a, in the spirit of the ministry that we have had, it has always tried to be focused on the positivity of what the Tanakh says, even if it's uncomfortable. What I love about this story is that Jeremiah did hear from God and he was in in, in a, a conflict with with a, a false prophet. But his response is is something that we need to that we need to look at. He walked away. God gave him word and he went back and did what he had to do. And then from there, we are we know the end of the story. But again, there's the spirit of Shemi, who's a cursor and a cusser and a spitter and a dust thrower. There's the spirit of Jeremiah. <laughs> Who does have something to say and is led and, and is led by God, and I think, and I think that's a challenge for us. It's, it's what what is our response going to be? I do believe we have to be biblical. I do believe we have to confront when we're called and and to deal with deal with the truth and deal with the truth in a way that sometimes isn't always easy. Amen. I mean, 
Well, my friend, uh, you're there. I want to thank you for addressing this. Was there anything else you'd like to say other than that you're, you've decided that you're going to get out of the belly of uh, the whale and come back to the United States and and work? Or what are you... <laughs> Okay, you stay a little bit longer. We're gonna keep fighting. We're gonna keep doing what we're doing. But uh, as as we're able to make connection, it's always a it's always a pleasure. I do appreciate you to taking the time to address this. The spirit of shimmy. Now, do you have a title for this, Nehemia? Have you come up with anything creative? Is there, what do you mean it's the spirit of shimmy? It speaks for itself. <laughs> All right, my friend. <laughs> say say goodbye to the people. There's thousands that are listening, and uh, give them a greeting in Chinese. Would you please do that? All right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I need to get back to work on some major projects and leave the shimmies to themselves. I'm writing our new Scripture Bites program that's going to be launched on Shavuot slash Pentecost. Shh, the keymaker is not aware of my production schedule just yet. <laughs> also, for those who are interested, our premium content library is adding a new teaching about God's name. And we are so close to beginning full production on two new series that are going to be ready for the fall feast days. With your help. Don't forget, we're also on international television with Time Will Tell. Season one every single week and every weekend we also upload a free episode for you to watch and to share with your friends. Also, uh, visit the projects page and support what you can at any level in terms of what we're trying to do. You can see most of what we're doing, not everything, but most of what we're doing. If you want access to over 100 things to read, watch or listen, consider signing up as a free member of our site and you will stay updated with everything that is happening now while you keep reading and while you keep watching and especially while you keep listening we will keep working